Hello, everyone. I am Mark L. Vincent, and it has been a privilege to visit with a lot of people over these last months, especially during this COVID season, and to talk with folks who care very much about honoring God in the context of business and who bring their expertise with a sense that they are not just serving their own incomes, and they're not even just serving you. They're serving uh, the kingdom of Christ. They're making a difference for the long term in what they do. And uh, someone who has done this for quite a while and knows it well is Del Hedges. And we're going to talk about lean and lean process with Dale here in just a second. But Dale, let me just start by welcoming you here. Well, thank you, Mark. I, it, it's an honor to be here and to, to spend time with you. we You've been quite a mentor for me as well. So it's just oh. an honor to be here. Well, we were teasing you about your beautiful Zoom office. I'm standing here in my beautiful brand new Idaho office on my property that I live on here. Uh, it's been kind of a COVID uh what we say, it's like a little monk cell that I can work from and <laughs> occasionally have quiet because I have twin two-year-old granddaughters living in the house with me oh, that's and they've nice. been a riot, but it does make for some background noise. So this has been a, a cool place to work from. And I, that is cool. I've really been looking forward to this. We had to reschedule it a couple of times and I wanted so much for you to have this conversation with me and for the benefit of others, because you have this big background in operations. Uh, you have such an extensive career there. I, I would like it, even before I got to get into the questions, for you to just describe a little bit about your background vocationally that brought you to the place saying, okay, I want to help a variety of companies, not just one at a time. So can you talk a little bit about that that background in, in ops for you? Yeah. So, well, thanks uh, for the opportunity. So I started off uh, in my career uh as a computer repair technician for a company called Intel. I don't know if you've heard oh, of that. Oh, a small little company, a yes. small little company. Um, and they are the ones that introduced me as a young pup in my career on this idea of what then was called quality circles. Today, we'd call it a Kaizen event. Um, and that was kind of my entry into uh, not just uh, uh, operations, but also into management as well as leadership, as well as this continuous improvement um, mindset. And so that got me going. Um, I moved um, into production management and all the while doing mostly self um, uh, learning, but then eventually ended up in Toshiba America here in Irvine and was in charge of production for uh, their, uh, their phone systems, their cell phones, and then eventually their laptops. And uh, that really uh, institutionalized for me the, uh, the uh, continuous improvement mindset and uh, kind of brainwashed, if you will, in mm -hmm. the Japanese methods of operations. And uh, that kind of launched me into some of the other things that I got into. Um, and then um, eventually moved into executive leadership as a VP of operations at um, a company called Omniduct, um, ran by some guy named Bob Rumlow. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, just was a blessing to be part of that team 
And um, that uh, taught me how to change culture. And, mm -hmm. and, and I will tell you that it was a, a learning experience uh, that not only was difficult because I had a corporate background, but also one that was very um, successful and um, really turned uh, the culture to a focused uh, continuous improvement model. So um, at, at the, um, about two, three years ago now, um, I decided to go and start sharing this wisdom with um, other companies and started my own company called the Hedges, uh, um, Hedges It'd be Consulting Group. If you could remember group. the name, <laughs> yeah, I can just remember the name Hedges Consulting Group, and uh, you know, really, really technical term there, and um, and have just been working with uh, multiple companies at different um, departments as well as whole companies working to uh, improve the way that they serve their customers by adding mm -hmm. value to uh, their customer needs. So uh, I'm Thank just you loving walking. what I'm doing. I'm grateful you walked through that just so that folks could hear a little bit more about the precision side that you bring to things. Because when you're doing this in manufacturing, uh, efficiency, getting lean, those kinds of phrases, are a little bit different than if you're in human services or something. I mean, everybody sure. wants to be more efficient, but you can't say, oh, the machines on line one are feeling a little cranky today, just a little bit out of sorts. They're, you know, a, <laughs> there's there's a quality control aspect of this that there's very little forgiveness for. Right. And you've been uh, deeply engaged in that. And here is a place we could start, Dale. I'm gonna ask you, let's, you know, what what is lean and who uses it and why? When I wrote that question down and told you I wanted to ask you that at the start, I was feeling a little like I was being kind of kindergartenish, but I went back and did some looking. And yes, it's true. A lot of people will say, oh, I know what that is, but they just recognize the word. They know they know it from business speak and their definition of it isn't all that precise. So can you help us out here? Sure. Well, I think, you know, um, one of the, the key aspects of leaning contains improvement is this understanding that um, we are on a never ending journey that creates unexpected customer value. And that, that process is a process that drives us to look internally as well as externally. So we're looking to see how we are servicing our customers but we're doing it by being internally focused. And this is done by reducing and eliminating waste. And I'm not talking about the trash bins. I'm talking about all of the activities that we do when we do service our customers. There are wastes. There are things that we do that are wasteful, that do not add value for our customer. Uh, we may do it because we think we need to do things but if they're not adding value to our customer and whether that's a service or a product, then it's a waste from a lean perspective. And there's actually eight wastes in any process, any service that we provide, any product that we provide, there are eight wastes that are targets for elimination. And uh, so that's what this whole uh, journey is about is we do think our waste 
so that our customers get the highest value possible. Hmm. So there's a way that you kind of had a switch flip and you got turned on to this thing. So you got engaged in it and there was something about it that really intrigued you, Dale. Uh, and you said, I've got to know more. I want to go deeper. This is worth it. And you've now arrived at a point where you're making those skills and those insights available to others. So how did this begin for you and how did you keep growing into it? And how yes. did you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to serve the world by doing this. Yeah. So, um, as I mentioned earlier, I got introduced um, while I was at Intel repairing computers for Intel. And uh, my supervisor asked the group, does anybody want to participate in a thing called quality circles? And um, so I really didn't know anything about it. And, but it sounded like, you know, a departure from just sitting at my, at my uh, repair center desk and, and working on, on computers and stuff, I said, well, I'll give it a shot. And so there was this, this effort of learning. I had to learn the process of quality circles. I had to learn this thing called uh, waste and, and how to eliminate it and stuff like that. And there was all these techniques. And so the group decided to tackle a really big problem. And at the time, the problem was we were seeing over 20% rejects of the integrated circuits uh, that were being installed on computers. So uh, we would troubleshoot a computer board, we'd get down to, oh, we think it's this integrated circuit. And then we'd take it over to the repair uh, uh, area and they would replace the integrated circuit. And then we'd come back and the integrated circuit would still be defective. And so you think about the whole process of troubleshooting, repairing, going back, troubleshooting it again, and then sending it back for a, the same repair over again, there was a lot of expense in that. So um, we started looking at what was causing that. And to make the long story short, we discovered that it was all about handling and the lack of proper handling. So the circles group in instituted a process by proper handling of integrated circuits throughout the whole process and that literally eliminated almost every defect. It was less than 1%. And when I, when we started going over the details of the, of the data, it was shocking to me mm. that as simple as just getting together and collaborating and troubleshooting, we were able to eliminate a big problem for the whole community, uh, it, that repair center. And so that just kind of was kind of like I said, it was kind of like a gateway drug. It's like I yeah. had to learn more. Yeah. And that actually helped me um, uh, build my understanding of the Toyota production system. And, and that was the core uh, focus for a long time of understanding mm -hmm. the, what is now known as the Toyota production system. And that's where all of the lean and continuous improvement came from. Yeah. What I like about um, the people like yourself who make themselves available fractionally uh, is that they've done something at the big place like Intel or Toyota, and you've got both of those kinds of experiences. And then what happens is there's not 27 Toyotas. 
there's one. And now there are, are places that are growing and have to scale and have to figure this out, have to eliminate the waste and need somebody with that expertise. They just don't need them all the time. Uh, and so you become available uh, and make yourself available to yep. those small companies, mid-sized companies who are working their way through this. And uh, boy, that's, there, there's some major mistakes that could be made there that eliminating some waste would make all the difference for their solvency and all kinds of things. So yeah. could you give us a couple of case studies out of your practice? And I really like to do the contrasting kind of thing here, Dale, where here's one that went well, here's one that didn't, here's what the difference was uh, for those uh, two stories. Could you do that yeah. for me? Yeah. So, um, well, let me just kind of comment what you were talking about, Mark, mm -hmm. in that, um, one of the things that I've also been that I've also experienced is while working at the big companies, having a consulting firm come in and they do a Kaizen event and things like that. And one of the things that I learned from that was that um, consultants come in, they do their job, they they leave, and everything goes back to normal. Mm -hmm. And so. My philosophy has always been uh, the classic, you know, give them a fish and they'll always be asking for a fish, but teach them to fish, they'll be fishing on their own. Um, you know, it's that type of thing. I want to teach leadership on how to be lean uh, champions for their own company so that after um, time goes by and they are comfortable, even if I uh, leave, they can continue on their journey. Mm -hmm. And that's, to me, the, the most successful part of this. And so um, one of the things that uh, kind of came to my mind um, about uh, an optimal um, uh, experience was um, I was working with a uh, medical device company here in Irvine a couple of years ago. And uh, they asked me to come in to their marketing group. Not their manufacturing, but their marketing uh -huh. group, because they were having major problems keeping up with the new product launch schedules. And so they would have these new products coming out, but the marketing deliverables were off sync. They were oh, wow. missing yeah. deadlines. Big problem. And so that's a big problem when you're trying to launch a product and you don't have collateral, you know, marketing collateral to give out to your sales force <laughs> and stuff. So, um, so I came in and working with the leadership team, we just did a big deep dive into their process. And uh, we identified um, some really key um, wastes that were causing uh, them not to be able to stay on track with their schedule. Uh, waiting and motion um, were one of the key ones where th they had these deliverables that were literally uh, going to the wrong uh, departments. And so they would get lost in the process, these deliverables. And wow. so then it wouldn't be until they got into panic mode that they would start looking for these and then they would find them over here in somebody's in basket or, or, or inbox or whatever. And, and so they just didn't have a really good way of tracking uh, that. And they didn't have a really good process to find. So we eliminated the weighing, we eliminated the motion. Uh, the other thing that we discovered is, is that there was a lot of duplication of effort. 
And this just came out of time, out of over time, people just wanting to make sure that things got done. So two mm -hmm. or three people were doing the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So we eliminated all the duplicity out of that, which caused uh, sure. the waiting as well. And then because of the lack, there was lack of communication with the status of each deliverable, that there were defects that were happening. And so by the time they were about to launch, they'd find a defect in their deliverable and they, they'd have to go back to fix it. So we started giving more um, prompt and, and, and accurate uh, status of the projects, of each project, and that eliminated the defects. And by doing that type of stuff, we were able to uh, reduce their cycle time by 10 days for almost two weeks, you know, 10, uh, 10 days. And so what that did was uh, eliminate them being late. They were actually on time with their deliverables and um, that really made a difference um, in their ability to stay on track with their wow. deliverables. Wow. I'm thinking that uh, there ought to be a number of companies with accounts payable departments that could really benefit from what, you, <laughs> what you're well, talking about the, there. <laughs> that's a great point, Mark, because if you have a process whether it's accounts payable, whether it's um, accounts receivable, uh, you know, right. you just think of all the different years that are turning inside of an organization. All of those operations have a process, mm -hmm. and every process has some level of waste in it. Mm -hmm. And if you're not doing a regular, uh, scheduled routine of eliminating waste you're building in that lower level of service to your customers with everything that you do. Yeah. And you yeah. mentioned earlier that, you know, companies are growing. Well, if you're growing and you've got an inefficient process, you're increasing that inefficiencies in mm -hmm. your process, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you're growing, you really need to be diving into lean and continuous yeah. improvement to eliminate all of that waste. I, you, you remind me, of, it's just become a favorite phrase of mine. That's what you call growing a donut. When you grow a donut, the hole in the middle just gets bigger and bigger and bigger and getting to yeah. the edges of it just take longer, bigger journey. So, yeah. so Dale, what's a, um, an example here of where, boy, they just couldn't get their minds or hearts around it uh, as they were working at some kind of lean process. And what do you think the difference was from that first story of that marketing department figuring it out and the company that you're going to tell us about that just yeah. didn't get there well this particular company um i'll just i'll keep it vague uh but <laughs> um, it was a, it, it was a it was a manufacturing company um and um the company thought the owners thought that they could launch lean and they were excited about doing lean and literally we started down the road and within three months um stalled. And, and again, I'm operating under the uh, mindset of I'm teaching leadership how to be the champions, um, because they're the ones that are going to take on the torch and carry it far after I'm gone. And, but this particular owner was distracted with many other things. Um, and I'm talking about a small company, I'm not talking about a gigantic, big company. Um, and so uh, within three months or so, just basically the owner just said, 
I don't have the bandwidth, I don't have the time, he wouldn't delegate, he wouldn't um, relinquish some of the control that he wanted to have. And so, um, uh, frankly, when COVID hit, mm. it was, it's probably a good time to, to go on pause. So, uh, so they've kind of stalled out. And as far as I understand that they, they are doing some level of continuous improvement, but it's probably not um, as strong as it could be uh, mm -hmm. if they had maintained that. And I think that comparison is really for me, um, the thing that makes the difference um, that, um, to me, there's two things that make a difference. One is um, the top leadership has to have a, a growth mindset that they, you can always get better. No matter how great you are today, you can always be better at what, what you can do tomorrow, especially when it comes to your customers. Um, so that's, that. You know, if top leadership has that mindset, that means that the culture has that mindset and they're well positioned to start up with lean and continuous improvement. But I think the other thing that a lot of, I'll just be blunt, a lot of consultants don't focus on is top leadership also has to have a people-centric mindset. We call it servant leadership. Mm -hmm. Because without that mindset and understanding that lean and continuous improvement builds and grows the the most important asset that any company has, its team. If you're not growing that team, you're not, you're not providing uh, an ever increasing value to your customer. And mm -hmm. so if you have a growth mindset, if you have a people-centric mindset, um, then you are well, well positioned to be successful in lean and continuous improvement. It, it may be here, Dale, that we're right uh, already kind of answering the question I want to ask you next. Um, I know that, you know, you've got a background uh, with towns and leadership uh, training and so yep. forth. And that servant leadership piece, the people awareness certainly comes into that. So let's say you've got a company owner uh, who's trying to discern, can we do this? Uh, it seems like there's a people answer in here somewhere. So sure. they're trying to figure out is, is, uh, pursuing lean, really getting disciplined about that. Is that a good fit for our company and our culture? Um, first of all, how would they know it's a good fit? Let me ask it yeah. that way. And then add to that by asking, how do they get started? Yeah. So um, three things. If you have a company that is serving a customer, either by services or products, uh, you are probably following some level of process to make that happen. Mm -hmm. uh, that process can be well-engineered or it can be kind of ad hoc as people try to figure out what they need to do to get things done, right? If you have a process, you are absolutely ripe for um, lean and continuous improvement because every process can be improved. And that's what lean does is eliminate the waste out of every process. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the, the one thing that, uh, really has to play into this is the top leadership and their mindsets, growth mindset, uh, servant leadership mindset, as well as just this desire to serve their customers at the highest level possible. And by doing that, you're just gonna automatically uh, 
set into motion a process by um, that continuous improvement, trying to be better for your customer in every uh, way, shape and form. And then um, what are some of the things that they should do to consider starting up? Uh, the first thing is learning. Uh, you need to learn the eight wastes, how to see them, um, how to identify them. And then of course, using learning how to use lean basic techniques to eliminate the waste. Um, it might sound easy to say, oh, look, we have somebody waiting for that process to, to finish. Let's eliminate that waste of waiting. Um, well, let's, there's, there, there might be a process, uh, we would call it 5Sing um, or Kanban. There's all these different strategies that um, Lean brings to the table that helps that organization be better at what they do. Um, and then the, the last thing I would say is that to get started is uh, you have to build in an organizational routine where you're, where you're continually, constantly attacking that, that inefficiency of waste and eliminating that um, from your organization. So uh, those, are, those would be the three things that I would say would, would be needed to get started. Yeah. And, so, and if I may just say, I would be please. honored to help anybody uh, in that process to yeah. get them started. Well, uh, we will make sure that there's contact information for you in the discussion guide that folks can find uh, where this uh, uh, the blog recording is linked to. Uh, we'll also, um, I think, want to make sure that uh, there, we've got a quick and easy access to what those eight wastes are. Yeah. Um, and even maybe what some of the vocabulary is. I think sometimes when I'm talking with people about this, they, they start tripping over words like Kaizen uh, and it, they just are uncomfortable speaking what feels like a foreign language thing. Right. And so they kind of shut, shut it down. Um, yep. And that's that's tragic when that happens. So uh, that also kind of points to something here. Uh, and this is probably where we're, we're going to have to wrap it up. But um, I, I want to ask about the early wins here. Um, because to do this in a sustaining way, to change the whole cult culture around it, to find that needed champion that you were describing, because I'm guessing, Dale, that's what you were. You became a champion for it inside of your culture. That's why it lived sure. there. That's why you had some successes. You weren't sitting there saying, well, you know, roll our eyes. Uh, here's the latest and greatest. Uh, you got right. behind it and there was a stick to uh, And that's needed when you have a group that doesn't really have a history and now they want to have one. So they have to get some momentum going. And that means some early wins, stuff where they can see the progress. What are some of the typical early wins that you like to see? Yeah, so, you know, I've, I've uh, implemented um, uh, Lean and Continuous Improvement into six companies um, before uh, coming into uh, my consulting practice. And and when, when I have you know, thought about what those early wins are, they're pretty consistent. Uh, you're going to see um, a reduction of inventory um, in, in an organization. And sometimes that inventory can be paperwork. So when I'm not just talking about parts as in a manufacturing thing, uh, but also uh, in front office operations, you'll see uh, paperwork, uh, you know, reduce and things like that. But while you're reducing that inventory, the level of customer service 
either maintains or even gets better. And typically I see, you know, customer service uh, get better because now you're not bogged down with inventory. Um, the other thing is you'll see um, a, a increased capacity or production, whatever, again, whatever that looks like for the company without doing a whole lot of uh, high capital expenditure, uh, a big dollar investment. You can increase your capacity and your pr production just by eliminating waste out of your operations. And so that's a big surprise to a lot of folks because when you say, yeah, we can increase your production by 10, 15, 20%. And they said, well, how much is that gonna cost me? And we basically say just the time of, of working out the elimination of waste, that, that's a big mm -hmm. surprise. Um, I think it, uh, another area is reduction of the direct costs, uh, operating costs. Um, and then of course, all of that stuff starts to impact and grow the, the bottom line, you know, in profit margins and things like that. But I think the other thing too is uh, a little, uh, something that isn't as obvious is a, a higher engagement rate of team members because now they're part of the solution to these uh, uh, elimination of waste that, that we have because we believe that, that if you are bringing in your team members to talk about how to solve problems, they're growing and, they're, and they are enjoying that process of collaboration. And so you'll see a higher level of engagement with your team members. That then translates into developing future leaders, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're learning problem solving, they're learning how to lead in, in, a, in a team environment. And that is part of their growth as they uh, continue down the road in their career that they are learning these techniques that are the basic foundations for great leadership. So those are the types of things that, that I look for when we start uh, going down the road. Dale, this has been a treat. Uh, thanks so much. And this has been great information. Uh, as we wrap this, I, I want to make a fine point. You might have a response to this before we go, but I just, I think this feels really important. One of the things that I run into in helping to cultivate younger executive leaders, people who are really trying to make their mark, they're committed, they care, they're growing, is to help them begin to think that whatever decisions they are making has to address top and middle and bottom lines. And it has to address now, near term and long term. Sure. And if it can't address that, they need to know why. They need to be able to articulate it. They need to at least be able to articulate the trade-off. If they cannot do these things, then they are redundant to whoever is watching over them because the one who's watching over their work has to do that part for them. Right. They have to ask the question that this young gun, uh, this strong young leadership woman or man is you know, saying that they, they want to get accomplished. Yeah. So in your work, you are um, in this spot where you really bring impact to the midline, which is what I'm finding is about the hardest thing for people to get their minds around. And I think you hit the home run here by talking about how it has to be a regimented discipline, not something you emphasize for six months, but something right. that you just stay on because unless you've negotiated a better price, it is your time and motion and whatever other waste that you can eliminate. Am I, am I close to Mark? Here? Yeah, I think you're that? right on Mark. I think you, I think you hit it right on the nail that um, it's, 
when you when you've got a full in uh, a fully operational, if you will, lean and continuous uh, improvement uh, journey, you'll see top management working with middle management, and middle management working with uh, the 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 regular team member. That the all three levels are working together um, to uh, solve these problems that are universally helping the customer. Uh, I'll tell you, when I was in my quality circles back at Intel, I'm an entry level computer repair technician. And that project I talked to you about with the defective integrated circuits, we got to present to Andy Grove. Wow. I'm standing in front of Andy Grove, <laughs> my five minutes worth of the, worth of the presentation, uh, telling him about this improvement that we did. And um, if you go to Toyota today, they have annual conference where uh, Toyota folks who are who are literally turning nuts and bolts on a car are presenting to the president of Toyota on these solutions that they're coming up with. You don't, that doesn't come naturally. You have right. to create that culture and that, that organization so you can do that. Yeah. And that really drives people to wanna excel for yeah. their customers. I'm glad we took these couple of extra minutes because I think that's what makes the case. That's where the ROI is found. And if you are reducing barriers um, and that's another waste that um, is out of the way, Uh, it's somewhere on that that group of eight, I'm pretty sure. (laughs) So thank you very much. And uh, for all of you listening, we're putting Dale's contact information on the video version of this. You can get it from the blog post uh, at convenenow.com. And um, there is a discussion guide, as we've done with all of these, that you can take right into a team management conversation or departmental conversation, talk this through, think about what you want to be doing in relationship to what you're already doing. And we really commend that kind of a resource to you. Uh, Thank you all for paying attention to this and staying with us in this conversation. And we wish you well as you do your work and do it to your absolute best. Thank you very much for listening and farewell. Thank you, Mark.